0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: He defeated our enemies in the resurrection, right? Our enemies, I always say it when I share the gospel and I pray, death is an enemy, sin is an enemy, and Satan is an enemy. All three of those enemies were defeated when Jesus rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, he conquered sin. He conquered death. he conquered the grave he conquered sin in the resurrection because he paid the debt in full debt has gone he conquered death in the resurrection that he proved that he had power over the grave
0: have you ever felt like someone or something has been your enemy here on earth i know i have however the truth is the only true enemies we have have already been conquered in today's message Pastor Bill is going to be talking about how our only enemies are sin, death, and Satan, which Jesus Christ has already completely defeated. We have complete and total victory in Jesus. Therefore, we don't have to fear. Our God is for us. Therefore, no one or thing can be against us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 19. As he continues his message... Victory in Jesus.
1: What's significant here? We know we we talk about this all the time. People say these words: "He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords." What does that literally mean, right? As we're at the end of the age and God is getting ready to go to war with nations, He's look. I'm the King of all the kings. So everyone that's a world leader and a, a, a parent authority of some sort, Jesus says, "I'm the authority of all authorities. I'm the King of all the kings." And I'm the Lord of all the Lords. And so, cheat sheet for the believer, we should always be looking over the heads of every so-called king, leader, whoever, to the Lord. He's the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the one that reigns forever. He's the one of, of his kingdom. there will be no end. Amen. God's king is never going to come. He's, his reign is not his, his reign doesn't last for a certain amount of years. He will always be the king. And when it's all said and done down here, he'll still be the king. And those that were against him will be destroyed. Those that were for him will be with him, but he'll always be what he's always been. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's on his robe and it's etched on his leg. It's, it's, it's I believe it's tattooed on his leg. So again, I couldn't believe how many books I read where guys were like, You know, they would go right through the word, breaking down the words all the way through. And then they come to this text right here and they say, well, it couldn't mean this because because he was Jewish and Jews don't get tattoos because he was this and that. If it says he had a tattoo on his leg, he had a tattoo on his leg. He has written permanently on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it makes sense for it to be there permanently because it's not going. It's never going to change. When kids are thinking about getting tattoos, I was talking to a kid recently that was, was asking, was talking about tattoos. Like, what do you think about getting? And you, know, you got to try to make them think, like, is that going to make sense in 20 years? Is that going to make sense in 40 years? You know, will that be true? And you know, I got a tattoo when I was 14. It was a summer going into high school football, so I wanted a, a tattoo on my arm. My last name is Buffington, so they called my dad the Buff. So ever since I was a kid, my nickname was Lil Buff. I had it on all the back of my shirts, had it on the side of my hats. So I said, I'm, I'm getting that on my, i my tattoo. And I went to, it was the back of the barber shop where they would give tattoos. And I got my, I got my Lil Buff tattoo. Well now, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not little or buff, <laughs> but I still got this tattoo on my arm, you know? And it's it's one of those things where it's just, well, I didn't think that through too far when I got it, you know. So when doing something permanent, you know, you you want far, you know, will this be true? Will it be accurate? Will it be appropriate? Will I want this on me in 40 years, you know? So Jesus, King of kings, Lord of the Lord of Lords, Lord, it will always be appropriate for him to have on his body. Amen. And so it's written on the Lord. Verse 17 and 18 now says, then I saw an angel standing in the sun And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people free and slave, both small and great. And so God is rounding up all these birds and he's saying, you guys come gather together because basically as he slaughters people on the earth, he's saying the birds are going to come eat their flesh. And I thought this was, this was my thought. This is what I wrote in my notes. I said, we had the choice to be part of the marriage supper last week. You're either going to be part of the marriage supper where you feast with the Lord or you get to be the feast. You get to be the feast for the birds of the air. And so you either get to go to the feast at the marriage supper, all celebratory and nice, or you get to be the feast for the birds of the air. And so for those that have rejected Christ, those that have have denied him, those that have not chosen, not, not allowed him to be Lord of their lives, at this point, God gathers all these birds and says, look, after I get done slaughtered, you guys are gonna be the food of the birds of the air. And it was mighty men you know, people small and great, slave and great. Here's the thing with the Lord. Stuff that matters in this world don't matter to him. Classes don't matter. Rich, poor don't matter. None of those things equate to anything in the kingdom of God. What, all that matters to the Lord is, is faith or not faith. Lordship or not lordship. With him or against him. In Jesus or not in Jesus. None of the other things that, you know, we make so much about on earth matter where it really counts. And so they're going to be people that have money that didn't have money. Your superstars, you know, people that were a big deal, people that were powerful politically and everything else. They'll be there getting their just reward. And just the same, there'll be people that make it to heaven that were great, rich, wealthy, poor, nothing. Every every type of person can put their faith in Christ. So we got the beast. The kings of the earth represent the world political powers and leaders. Their armies all gather together to make war against him. And so, imagine—you know—the tribulation period has been hard. People are—they're mad. They're because remember they didn't repent. They were shaking their fists at God. They were angry with it. They blasphemed God as the millstones was falling out of the sky. You know, they didn't—they didn't repent. They blasphemed him even further. And So now they've got everybody gathered together, all the kings of the earth, all the leadership, all the people to go to war. With God and with those who sat on the horse, with him who sat on the horse and with his army and with us. So their beef is with the Lord and with us. Know that because it's not much different today, right? Those that are opposing Christ, they're going to oppose his people. We are his army on the earth. Amen. And if they oppose him, they'll oppose you. If they disagree with him, they're going to disagree with you. If they hate him, they're going to hate you. He told us that. So as believers, we got to be prepared for that. We will not be liked. By everybody, and we have to be okay with that. Even all the way to the end, the enemy's like, I want him and the people with him. Um, But we don't have to worry about that because our God got us covered. Verse 20 Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake. That lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So everybody just say this with me. They lose. They lose. If you was against the Lord, you lose. If you came against God, you lose. If you didn't receive him as Lord, you lose. If you hate his children, you lose. That's always been the case, will always be the case. And as we get this glimpse into the future, we know in the future it will still be the case. The beast was captured, the false prophet. These are those that were all, you know, empowered by the enemy, empowered by Satan during the tribulation period to bring about deception, to trick people, to fool people into getting the mark. Notice this, the people were deceived, right? It says, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. And some people them might say, well, God, is that fair? They were tricked. They were deceived into taking the mark. Here's the thing. How do we make sure we're not deceived? Know the truth. Know the truth. The way you won't be deceived is by knowing the truth. You won't be deceived into taking the mark of the beast. If somebody told you guys next week, you know, y'all, we got a mark. You're going to take it on your forehead or your right hand so you can buy or sell and if you don't take it, you can't function in our system, and it's a 666 in it. How many of you guys signing up? I'm going to say, whoa, whoa, I'm going to be on a force fast. I'm going to be thin thin, you know. So <laughs> we, we know, like, that's, that's not happening, right? That's not coming. We, we know that we, because we know the truth. The truth will keep you from being open to, deceived by these things. And so they were deceived, but their deception is their own fault. All those in the world, people that reject Christ are deceived in many areas um, because Satan is a liar and he deceives. They were deceived into taking the mark of the beast. They worshiped the beast in his image. Notice, remember that you taking the mark of the beast was not just a buy and sell. It was also you were also signing up to worship. It was a part of your worship. You worship the beast in his image. We know as believers, we don't worship nobody else. Amen. We don't give homage, honor, worship, praise to anyone but the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're protected from that deception too. We know that no one else deserves or is worthy of worship. It says they were cast alive into the lake that burns with fire. Now, there's, uh, there's people today that are wanting to, you know, wanting to take hell off the table. Like it's hell, hell's not really a real thing. They say things like this. Well, I don't believe a God of love would put people in a place of torment. I think it's just a, it's symbolic can I tell y'all that this, 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 is, this is literal, right? We see this throughout other, in other places in scripture, it's actually a lake of fire. So it's imagery that we all understand. Everybody here seen a lake of water, right? Refreshing on a hot day, but a lake of fire is never going, to, there's no good purpose for a lake of fire and you don't want to be thrown in it, but there's a lake of fire. And we'll see it again after, after the great white throne judgment, everyone who rejects Christ everyone who rejects Jesus and his forgiveness and the salvation we cast alive into the lake of fire. Here's why that's important. If you just went to the lake of fire and burned and died, it would be a tough death, but death would come and it would be over. They're cast alive into the lake of fire. You live in hell forever. When a person dies without Christ, you don't die. You just like people that go to heaven Right. We cease to live on earth and we we, you know, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Those that die and go to hell, they're immediately in torment. Then they'll forever be in torment and they're very much alive. I believe one of the greatest torments of hell will be the recognition that you didn't have to be here. All the opportunities that you had to receive the gospel that you didn't take up on. That'll be there. You got your mental faculties will be at work. We got that imagery from Lazarus and the rich man who both died in the gospel of Luke. And Lazarus, the poor man, the beggar, was escorted by angels into Abraham's bosom, which was paradise until Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. But then you had the rich man who obviously didn't know the Lord, who immediately was in a place of torment. And he was tormented in the flames. And he wanted someone to dip the tip of their finger in water and touch his tongue and all of that. And so he was in a place of torment. That's a real thing. So that should impact us in two ways. Obviously, if there's a question about your own salvation, you should settle that. There, there, there won't be, there's nothing in this life worth missing Jesus and going to hell. There's no pleasure or practice or thing that would be worth that. As a nod, if you're here and there's a question, or you're watching and there's a question, you should receive God's mercy and grace and forgiveness for your sins today. It's available to you. On the other note, if you're a believer already and you have salvation I got to love the lost people around me enough to say that's where they're going to go. But maybe, maybe they'll receive the gospel. Maybe if I share the message with them, maybe if I pray for them and share with them, maybe they'll get saved. I mean, we got to be willing to share the gospel. We can't just hoard it for ourselves, you guys. God's calling his church to be out in this world preaching his gospel to the lost. And that's why it's so important that we look like him, that we sound like him, that we love like him, and that we're not, we're not sounding like those that hate this group and mad at that group and are disgusted by this group. And God is like, I'm trying to save them through you. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that you are ambassadors for Christ. That means you're his representation on earth. And it says as though Christ were pleading through you, telling people to be reconciled to God. Do you sound like that when you talk to sinners? Like God is pleading through you to reach them. Is that, the, is that your own heart's cry? Is there, is there a softness in you that says, God, I want them to be saved so bad. I'm, ple- I'm pleading with them. I'm, 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 I'm making adjustments. I'm trying to say it the right way. I'm getting the gospel shared. I'm, God, use me in that way. I, I'm encouraging all of us. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord use you. We all had a season where we let the enemy use us. Amen? That's over now. So now the Lord has us. We belong to him. Let the Lord use you. Whatever your sphere of influence is, whatever God has given you, let the Lord use you where you are to be a witness for him. Every one of us got access to people that the rest of us don't have access to. So I got to tap in where I have access and see what the Lord will do with this message. So they were cast alive into the lake, burning with fire and brimstone. And verse 21, the rest were killed with the sword that proceeded from his mouth. I'm sorry, from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So the false prophet, the beast, they were thrown into the lake of fire. Everybody else, um, it says they were destroyed um, or defeated with the the, the sword that came forth from his mouth with his word. The birds of the air consumed, ate the rest of their flesh. And so as we wrap this up, uh, we see the victory is in Jesus. That's always going to be the case for us. And I want to just give us these five things and we'll close. Number one, he won our victory on the cross. So the the biggest victory ever is the cross for you and me. That's where our victory comes from. I've been saved since 1995. My life has been radically transformed, delivered from alcohol, sexual sin, theft, and all kind of other things. God has changed my life, blessed me with a marriage and a family and all these different things. But my victory came. Nothing went right. Nothing. There's no victories until Jesus. My victory came from the cross of Jesus. Number two, he defeated our enemies in the resurrection. Right. Our enemies I always say it when I share the gospel and I pray. Death is an enemy. Sin is an enemy. And Satan is an enemy. All three of those enemies were defeated when Jesus rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, he conquered sin. He conquered death. And he conquered the grave. He conquered sin in the resurrection because he paid the debt in full. Debt's gone. He conquered death in the resurrection, that he proved that he had power over the grave. That people that believe in him, like him, conquered death. He overcame death, and everyone that believes in him will resurrect too. He conquered death. And he conquered Satan in the resurrection. That Satan is the one that was manipulating all these things and had power over people to keep them lost. He defeated Satan in that. In the resurrection, my sins are both forgiven and I'm restored to life in him that can never be taken away. There's something Satan can never do to you once you believe, right? He cannot take away your salvation. He cannot take you to hell. He is defeated forever in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus for those who believe it. And so once again, the victory is in Jesus. Amen. Uh, number three here, he ultimately defeats all of our adversaries with the sword of his mouth. Right. The world, the flesh, the devil, all of our enemies as we walk the earth are defeated with the sword of his mouth, with the word of God. And so we want to tap into this. Right. I I need to know that my enemies are defeated, just like God won all his battles with the word of his mouth. Now, God said, look, I've given you the same word. I've given you access to the same truth. What are you battling with? What's what's defeating you right now? What's what's winning over? What's what's having victory in your life? God's like, so study my word on that thing. Get my word in your heart and your mind and your spirit on that issue because the victory will come through my word. I'll bring victory in your life in that issue, in that area. He ultimately defeats our adversaries with the sword of his mouth. Lastly, he gives us the sword of the spirit to have his victory today. God has given us in Ephesians 6, it says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. He's given us that, that we can have victory today. And I will continue as your pastor to encourage you in love to read this book every day. Uh, Read the boring parts. Read the difficult parts. Read the fun parts. Read the exciting parts. But just read it every day. And somebody's oh, that's just too big of a chunk to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wham, wah wah. Read it every day. Right? I've I've heard a hundred excuses why people don't want to do it, and none of them are any good. Right? Because look, with all the things you can do with 24 hours in a day, reading through the Bible every day, it's just not going to convince me that that's a bad choice of how to spend some of those minutes. And so... I'm lovingly exhorting and encouraging. Read it every day. Soak in it. Meditate on it. Read it again. Read it and reread it. If you don't understand it, call somebody and ask them. Read a book on it. But read the word every day. And when the issues come up in your life, go to the word for how to handle it. When difficult things happen, let your go to God, I'm going to go to prayer and the word. Show me how to handle this. Lord, give me a word from your word. I'll close with this. I can't tell you guys how many times in my life I needed a direction And I needed God to speak and it would come. God would speak to me straight out of the word wherever I was reading that. Something would just jump off the pages and God would say, that's your answer. That's it right there. And it would be so clear. It would be solved. It would be everything would be handled in that. Now, I'll close with this. And some of you guys have heard this before. But in in 2005, I was on staff at my old church. And there was some there were some bad things happening at the church. And I was like, I think I want to leave. I don't like some of these things that are happening. Don't want to deal with it. Don't want to stick around for it. And I was that's what I was thinking. Then we had an event and a pastor from another large church was there and he approached me and he said, hey, man, let's let's go for lunch. I want to talk to you about some things. So I go out and I talk with him and he says, man, I, I, I talked to your pastor and I, I want you to come on staff at, at our church. And, um, and and it was kind of pumping me up. He was like, man, I don't think you should be doing the kids, man. I think you should be teaching adults and, you know, and they should be doing this and that and you should be, it was, it was, it was, it was to my flesh, but it was also a way out of the stuff that I didn't really want to deal with over here. And so I considered it and I was, I was actually, I wanted to do it. I was like, this is my out. I'll still be a pastor. I'll still be in ministry, just be at a different place. How could that be bad? So, you know what you got to do? You got to pray. And I prayed about it. And God was like, nope, not talking. Now, God sent me where I was. Now, God was like, mm, crickets, crickets. And the days are going by. And he's finally like, hey, bro, I need to answer by tomorrow. And I'm like, all right, I'll call you, whatever. And I'm, now I'm really praying. I'm like, God, I need to hear something from you. And I'm praying and reading and reading and praying, nothing, nothing, nothing. I get woke up in the middle of the night, and I'm, I got to go to the bathroom. And as I'm walking to the bathroom, God puts in my mind, Psalm 73. And I'm like, okay, I got a Bible in the bathroom. I go to read it. I pick up Psalm 73. And, and I'm just, 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 this is exactly what God did to me, that, where he spoke to me loud and clear. I start reading the Psalm, and I'm going to read you what it says, these few words. And we're, we're almost done here. But I, I'm hoping it's going to help somebody read their book. So it opens up with this. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That first verse, though, when God says my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. And this is what the spirit said to me right there. You're almost making a mistake because to almost stumble and almost slip. I didn't slip. I didn't stumble. Almost. I'm very close. And God said, that's where you are right now. I was like done. Not going. I called the guy. I said, I'm not coming. God told me no. Went to my pastor and said, hey, I had this meeting. I was going to go. God said no. So now I'm telling you what was going on. Now I got to tell you all the stuff I don't like over here. Maybe you'll fire me and I'll go after, you know, but I'm going to get it done. Here's what God did through that, right? Rather than me leaving a situation that I was uncomfortable with, moving into a new one, God made me go deal with this one. He healed it and, and it remained healed for five years until I went out to plant this church in peace. I didn't didn't have to leave in a bad situation. My point is this. I needed God to speak and God spoke through his word. And I can sit here and give you 25 instances in my life where God has spoken straight through the word. But here's what happens every time I realize this. If I wasn't reading it, I'd be out here making bad decisions. Right. I don't I don't make good decisions without God, but through him. Amen. I can be guided and directed. Everybody here can. So I lovingly exhort you guys. Our victory is in Jesus. Our victory comes through his word. And as you read it every day, you will be in victory. You will walk in his victory in your life. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have victory in you. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins, that you rose from the grave, that you conquered sin, death, and Satan. Lord, we are grateful. We we put our faith and our trust in you, Lord. We believe that you did that for us, God. We thank you. We rest in the finished work of Jesus for our salvation and our forgiveness. Thank you for the victory that we experience today. Thank you for the victory we will experience when all these things that we're reading about come to pass. Jesus, our worship belongs to you. We're grateful. We're thankful. We love you. We praise you.
0: You've been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned, and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero. Someone you would want to follow, but might be a little afraid of, too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, We're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, that phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible, here on A Transforming Word.